What's up, 11 a.m.? How are you guys doing this morning? Awesome, awesome, awesome. Uh, something about low end just makes me giggle. Uh, and so if you haven't noticed, we like low end and stuff here. So uh, uh, I, I love it. But next week, we're starting a brand new series called Wisdom, uh, kind of playing off. Uh, you can be wise or you can be dumb, but you're probably not going to be both. So you choose. And uh, next week, we're going to be starting this series on the book of Proverbs. I want to encourage you guys, invite your friends. It's going to be great. We're, we're using some passages of Scripture that have impacted uh, us as, as staff at, at different points in our time. And so we want to share some of those things with you that we think will be some life-changing principles that will help you live out some wise lives. And so I want to encourage you to be a part of that. Um, by the way, happy Father's Day. Can we give it up for our dads? thankful for you. Uh, you played a part in all of us being here, and so we appreciate that. Uh, so thankful for the dads that have instilled values and uh, just just taught their kids in the way and the attributes of God. Man, those, those dads, you guys are doing an incredible job. Keep it up. Uh, we love dads. But how many of you guys know that uh, kids can do some weird things as, as parents? Kids can say some weird things. Any of your kids ever say anything weird? Uh, anybody ever said something weird to their kids? Yeah, that's happening. You, now you know the apple doesn't fall, fall far from the tree. Now you know where it's coming from. And so, you know, parents say some, some weird things to kids. And so I, I found this, this dad. His name is Nathan. And uh, he has said some crazy things to his kids, some weird things to his kids. They never thought he would say as a parent. And so being a graphic designer, he decided to make some things and put, put them on Etsy. I thought I'd share them with you because maybe you've said some of these things to your kids as well. One of the things he said is, get that toilet seat off your head now. Any, any parent ever told their kid to get the toilet seat off their head? I don't even know how you get a toilet seat on your head, but I'm sure some kid can figure that out for us. Uh, and so that's one of the things that he said. Another one is, don't lick my arm. That's what weird kids do. Uh, I've got to say, if you're licking people's arms, you're weird, okay? Uh, that's, that's just odd. And the last one, I am not talking to you until you are wearing underwear. Listen, I say that at my house all the time. So I just like, I, like I'm not talking to you. That's specifically to Shayla. So I mean, it's just, uh, anyways, that, maybe that didn't go there. But uh, <laughs> uh, I remember being, getting dad duty one, one week for my nephew, Avery. And, uh, and so I had him for a day and I, I had to figure out what do I do? I don't know, what, what do you do with a, a toddler uh, for the day? And how do, you, how do you control them? How do you keep them happy? Because that's the goal of watching every kid is just to make them happy. So I found out Mount, Mountain Dew and Snickers aren't good for long term. Uh, so that isn't gonna work. So the next best option, I already tried that one time, uh, was take them to McDonald's because McDonald's is like heaven on earth for kids. I think they sprinkle like crack cocaine on their food and, and so like kids love it um and so I took them there, and the main reason kids love going to McDonald's is, one, they get a toy in the Happy Meal, or at least they used to. I don't know what they get now. Uh, and there used to be outdoor playgrounds, and the outdoor playground was where it was at for kids. And so I knew, man, I'm going to win with Avery because we're going we're gonna to go get some French fries at, at McDonald's, and, and we're going to go to the outdoor playground. And so we're out in the outdoor playground. I'm sitting there. I'm watching him eagle-eyeing, and I see him over near the playground, and, and I see him bend down to pick something up and, and does like the normal kid move, which is initially take whatever that is you just picked up and test it, right? Test it with your mouth. And so I'm like, what is he picking up? And, and I, I kind of scoot over there really quick and I realized that what he's picking up is moving. Um, and, and so they are palmetto roaches. 
And so he picked up a palmetto roach and he's going for the mouth. And I'm like, buddy, you're not going to like that protein. Uh, like that is not going to be, it's, it's similar to a McDonald's hamburger, but it's not. Uh, <laughs> it's about his quality. <laughs> It might be in it. So uh, anyways, uh, I'm like, I do what, what every, uh, every person in that moment would do as I, I yell, no, you know, and uh, I, of course I scare him and, and that's worse than the palmetto bug. He's not scared of the palmetto bug. I know all you ladies will be like, ah, you know, freaking out over it, but he, he wasn't. And so he dropped the palmetto bug and, and he got the proverbial no from, from the parents of that day. And, and I think kids, uh, one of the first words that they learn is what word? Uh, you ask them, would you like something to eat? What do they respond with? Do you like people? Do you want ice cream? <laughs> Just curious what your kids respond with. They respond with no, because it's like they learn the word no. Why? Because they got parents that become the no monster. And all they hear is no, 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 no. And so it becomes a part of their language. And I think that most of parents out there, the goal is not to tell their kids no all the time. I don't think that that's any parent's heart is just to be like, no, 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 no. In fact, I think most parents, they want to be able to say yes to their kids. They want to be able to say, yes, I want you to live the life that God's intended for you to live. Yes, I want you to experience everything that you can experience. Yes, I want you to grow. I want you to do all these things. And so while a lot of times they're here, no, deep down inside, I think most parents want to say yes to their kids. And I would, I would say the same thing is true with God and his kids. But many people think that God is this God of no because our culture and because of the culture that the church has put out there for so long is that God is no, 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 no to everything that is going on. And so a lot of people think that God is this God that is like, just no. He is the epitome of the God of no. And so we look at God and we see God as this cosmic party pooper. We see him as this, this uh, omnipotent police officer that's going to pull you over, write you up, take you to jail. He's looking for every opportunity to catch you doing something wrong so he can bust you. And so sometimes... Because we have this perception of God that way, we want to reduce him down to he is just the God of no. And then on top of all the things that God has already said no to, we start adding to it as Christ followers. Like, hey, listen, now that you're a Christ follower, you can't listen to good music anymore. You can't have fun anymore. You're not allowed to laugh. In fact, being a Christ follower is really just going to suck the life out of you. And so if you want to enjoy life, don't ever be a Christian because Christians aren't fun. Because we serve the God of no. Some of you are like, man, this guy is telling me the truth today. That's how I felt my entire life. But as you read the Bible, you find out that God isn't the God of no, but God has actually revealed himself as the God of yes. Like you, you start reading the, the entire story of the Bible is the fact that God has revealed himself to us and, and, and has been searching and longing for every one of us to be in a relationship with, with him. He's been saying, yes, I, I want you. Yes, I, I, I want you to be a part of my life. I want to be a part of your life. I'm saying yes to you continuously. And then you realize that Jesus was sent here to die upon a cross. And, and, and after his death and resurrection, he, he even says, man, I'm, I've come to give you life and give it to you more abundantly. Like, I want to give you more than what you even imagine. And so I'm not the God of no, I'm actually the God of yes and more than that. 
Now, there's certainly some no's in the Bible. You, you look at the Ten Commandments, there's a lot of thou shalt not. It's like don't, don't kill people. That's probably a good idea. Don't lie to people. Don't steal things from people. Like Those are, are probably uh, uh, some good no's, it, but I think that that's just like every parent. The reason you tell your kid no, don't touch the stove is why? You're trying to protect them from pain. You're trying to protect them from hurting themselves. And every no that God gives us is so that he can say yes to us, us experiencing life and life in the fullest. And I think the best way that we can see this and we can experience this is when we understand that, that, that the yes really comes through Jesus Christ. And there's a great passage of scripture that talks about this in 2 Corinthians. If you want to turn to your Bibles there, to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And uh, Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, and he is facing some criticism. And uh, this is what he writes in verse 20. He says, For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ. Not some of them or a few of them, but all of them have been fulfilled. With a resounding yes, and through Christ, our amen, which means yes, ascends to God for his glory. And what it's saying is this, God is faithful to his promises. In Jesus Christ, God has made promises, and, and through Jesus Christ, he has fulfilled every single one of those promises. In Jesus, we don't have God's maybe. In Jesus, we don't have uh, God's possibly. In Jesus, uh, it isn't as long as you follow all this and do this and do that and do this. Then it is in Jesus. We have God's yes. And so when we say yes to God in Jesus Christ, we can live fully and completely in him. And so what I want to talk to you about today is how do we live fully and completely in God's yes for our lives. And if you're taking notes, number one is this. It's trust in God's plan. We got to trust in the plan that God has for us. Now, now, there are some laws that are out there in the world today that are, are pretty crazy. In fact, if you were, as I was doing some research this week, I ran across some, some laws that are still in effect in some different states and in some different countries that, that when I was reading them, I was like, these are crazy. Why, why are these weird laws still in place? Like one of the laws is in Iowa, a man with a mustache is not allowed to kiss a woman. Like, if you have a mustache that looks like that, you have a goatee, you have a beard, it is illegal for you to kiss a woman in public. Let me say it in public. You are allowed to kiss her at home. But in public, you kiss, you're getting arrested. That's messed up for some of y'all because you, you got some beards, you got some goatees going on. Like, that's a dumb law. Here's another one in Victoria, Australia. On Sundays, you are not allowed to wear hot pink pants after 12 noon. So all of you ladies that are thinking, man, I'm going to sport my hot pink pants to church today, you better have a change of clothes at 11.59 because hit noon in Victoria, Australia, you are going to jail. No hot pink pants for you. Listen, dudes, that's the same thing for you. It isn't discriminatory. So if a dude, you're wearing hot pink pants, you need to go to jail anyways. I'm just kidding. Uh, but <laughs> some guy's going to wear hot pink pants to church next week. It's going to be awesome. Uh, we'll put you on Instagram. My favorite is from Missouri. There is a law in Missouri that says you are not allowed to drive down the road with a live bear in your car. Like, I think that that law right there would take care of itself. If you got a live bear in your vehicle driving down the road, like, it, you're not going to be arrested. You're going to be mauled, okay? Like, so, uh, 
But you, you hear about some of these laws and you think, man, society has so moved on from the days that these rules were relevant. And, and I'm sure that they made sense. At some point, hot pink pants before noon uh, made sense in Victoria, Australia. But today, uh, that just needs to be done away with. Maybe it needs to be rewritten. Uh, and a lot of people look at the Bible, God's word, and a lot of people think that this is just a bunch of outdated rules. This is just a whole bunch of outdated regulations that uh, are from a long time ago. They're not really relevant today. It's kind of like hot pink pants before noon. That's not relevant for today. And, and so like, we just need to disregard that and just ignore it because it isn't true for us today. And and it's really easy when you start reading some of the Bible to realize, man, there's some weird stuff in there. You start reading in the Old Testament, and you start seeing nail foreskins to the door and stuff, and you're like, dude, that's weird. Uh, and, and you start to realize that there's a lot of rules in here. In fact, if you start reading in the Old Testament, you'll, you'll come across, excuse me, across some laws that I would call like civil laws uh, that were meant for the nation of Israel. They were uh, slaves for a long time. And all of a sudden, they've come out of Egypt, and they're no longer slaves. They're free people, except they've never been free. They've always lived as slaves. And so God says, man, I need to, I need to instill some laws here so that they know how to have proper hygiene, how, so they know what's right and wrong for them as a people group. And so I need to instill some things for them for that time period and for that place and for that people that are relevant to them. And some of the principles behind those rules are still relevant for today, but the majority of those laws were for a specific time and a specific place and a specific people as they were learning how to become a nation. And you continue reading on in the, the Old Testament, and all of a sudden you'll run into some other laws that I would call ceremonial laws, and they were all about sacrifice and worship and temple and, and what you would do in the temple and where you would do it. And, and all of those things, the beautiful thing about the ceremonial laws is they were all a foreshadowing of what Jesus would do in the New Testament. And in fact, a lot of those, those laws that were in place were done away with when Jesus was actually hung, hung upon the cross and died and rose again. The, it says the veil was torn in two and the, the old covenant was gone and there was a new covenant. And so those law, the principles behind them are still in effect as we worship and, and, and love Jesus. Sacrifice just looks different. We're not killing sheep today. If we were, that would be kind of weird. Like y'all would have to come in here with your sheep and we'd, we'd cut the neck and it, it'd be kind of nasty. Like nobody's really gonna enjoy that. And then PETA would be all over us and then we'd just be in trouble, you know? And so, uh, and so like those, those, those were for a time. Principally, they're still in effect. And then you continue reading on and you would run into some more laws, what I would call God's moral laws. And there would be something like the 10 commandments. Um, and the thing about, the, they're the moral principles of God. And, um, and I would suggest to you, the moral laws of God are kind of like gravity. You can try to defy gravity and jump out of a five-story window, and while you might break the law of gravity for a little bit, eventually the law of gravity is going to break you when you hit the ground. And so you can try to uh, break God's moral laws, but the way that we've been wired, the way that we have been designed is, is that for every action, there is a reaction, there is a consequence to our actions. And so while we can try to outrun those moral laws, those moral things, there's always consequences that come with every single decision. And so God wired us in this way and God created us in this way. And he's challenging us that when we understand the rules and we understand the laws, that when we say yes to him, we can live life in the fullest way possible when we trust him and his plan. And part of his plan is it says, hey, listen and do this. 
And so let me put this into practical terms for you. So when you go out and you forgive somebody because that's one of God's rules for us or laws for us, he says, listen, forgive as you have been forgiven. So Jesus forgave us unconditionally. And so we are to forgive other people in life. And so a lot of times somebody has done something to us, man, it's not right, it's jacked up, it's messed up, and they don't deserve our forgiveness. Anybody ever experienced that? Like, there's a lot of times people don't deserve our forgiveness. Well, know what? You didn't deserve Jesus' forgiveness either. But yet, he still forgave you. And so you go, you know what? Because Jesus forgave me, and he calls me to forgive other people. I'm going to choose to forgive. And when you start to forgive that person, what you find is there is this weight that starts to come off your life. And there is this, there's, there's not this burden that you're carrying around. You don't have this anger. You don't have this bitterness. You don't have this rage that you used to have. And you, all of a sudden, you start to realize, man, God's ways are the right ways. Or you take something like, you have the opportunity to tell the truth in this moment or tell a little lie, and it would be so much easier in the moment to tell a lie. But you know God has called you to live with integrity. He's called you to live with honor and to be truthful because that's what a God-honoring person does is they be truthful. And so you decide to tell the truth. And let me tell you this, people that tell the truth always sleep well at night. But the person that decides, you know what, I'm going to tell a little lie, they always struggle to sleep. You want to know why? Because they got to keep a storyline going in their mind all the time. And this is what I know about lying. One lie always leads to two lies. And two lies always leads to three lies. And three lies leads to four lies. And then you get into a, another relationship and you got to keep your lies straight because you don't know who's, here, who's hearing this story and who's hearing that story. And all of a sudden, you've got a lot of stress and you've got a lot of anxiety. And all of a sudden, you realize, man, God's ways really are the right ways. Like there's a reason he did that. And you realize that God really has the best way for your life. He's not this cosmic killjoy, but what he is trying to do he's, is he's not trying to take away all your fun. He's actually trying to protect you and set you up from hurting yourself, which is what a lot of us do in our life. So we hurt ourselves, And so maybe you're at a place in your life where your plans aren't working out right now. Maybe you've had all of these ideas. This is what my life is going to look like at this point. And your life doesn't look like it at this point. And you're frustrated and you're going, man, what the heck is going on? God, where are you? I don't know where to go from here. I feel like I've hit a dead end in my life. And maybe that's the reason some of you are here at church today. You're like, man, I, I don't have anywhere else to go. I'm turning to God because I'm just like, God, I don't know what to do in this moment. And what happens is you come to this place and you go, I don't understand, I don't comprehend, but I'm just going to show up. And this is what I love about God. You, even though I don't understand and I don't know what's happening, God, I'm just going to trust you and I'm going to walk by faith. And what you're going to find as you walk by faith is what seems like a dead end in your life actually ends up being a detour for God. You feel like my life isn't going in the plan that I had, but God redirects your life to the place where he wants you to go because he has still got a plan for you. He isn't finished, and he is still moving, and he is still working. And let me just tell you this. His plan is probably different than your plan. Anybody realize that, that God's plan is different than your plan? When I was growing up, I wanted to be a professional football player and an international banker. My plan failed. And the Corinthians, they're wrestling with this. They're like, man, God, what's up, man? 
They're frustrated because their, their plan was Paul was coming back and, and Paul kind of sold them out and, and he hasn't come back at this point. He's changed his plans. He's like the guy that says, yeah, I'll give you a call tomorrow and then never calls. Anybody have a friend like that? He's like the pastor that says, hey, I'll call you tomorrow and then he never calls and then you just get angry and you get upset and you go on Yelp and you leave a bad review and that's it. Listen, people have been saying they're gonna do things and not fulfilling them, and people have been getting upset since the beginning of time. And so that's where these people are at. They're, they're ticked at Paul. He's catching some heat and some criticism for not coming back, and this is what it says in verse 17. You may be asking why I changed my plan. Do you think I make my plans carelessly? Do you think I'm like people of the world who say yes when they really mean no? As surely as God is faithful, our word to you does not waver between yes and no. For Jesus Christ, the Son of God, does not waver between yes and no. Listen, if you're struggling here today, if you're frustrated, if you're hurting, I want to encourage you that Jesus is not wavering on you today. He's not wavering between like, oh man, yes or no. Like, listen, he sacrificed, he died, he rose again. If you believe in him and you trust in him, you don't have to worry if Jesus is wavering for, towards you. He's not up in heaven going like, listen, you had it going on on the front end, but you're kind of sucking right now, so I'm not sure you're gonna make it. Like, he's not wavering on you at all. It says, he is the one whom Silas, Timothy, and I preach to you. And as God's ultimate yes, he always does what he says, it says, Jesus will be faithful to you. And you've got to trust God's plan that he has still got a plan. And you've got to realize that what may seem like a dead end in your life is really just a detour for God's plan for your life. And friends, our plans change all the time, but God's plan remains the same. His promises are secure we need to trust God's plan. And secondly, we need to rest in God's guarantee. We've got to rest in God's guarantee. Have, uh, I, I'm, I'm one of those guys that I love checking the mail. Anybody else out there love checking the mail? I love nothing more than getting like a handwritten card from somebody. Like I'll save all those things. I'm like a, I'm such a, I don't know what I, to call myself. I'm, I'm mushy that way. Like, you write me a handwritten card. I'm going I'm to save that thing. It just, like, means a lot to me because nobody does it anymore. Everybody sends a text or an email. And so I, I, I absolutely love that. But my favorite thing of all is, like, dreaming about those, those envelopes that look like checks that are addressed to you. Anybody get those in the mail? Like, those are my favorite things to open up because my last name is McCormick, and I'm praying that one day the McCormick Spice family realizes that I'm a part of their family even though I'm not. And that there is an inheritance coming my way. And so, like, I'm praying and I'm believing. And so every time I see, like, one of those check envelopes, I get excited because I'm like, this is the day I become a bajillionaire, you know, and have lots of McCormick salt uh, rolling in my house. And, and so uh, I, I opened them up. I was opening up one the other day, and I was like, oh, man, it's just from the Nissan dealership. Shoot, it's only $6,000. Come on, Nissan, can't you do better than that? Like, but I was like... I was like, man, I wish I had $6,000. Anybody else feel that same way? Like, you get those, you're like, I wonder if this check would cash. And on it, it says, like, void, not a good check. Well, there, there's actually a guy whose name is uh, Patrick Holmes. And in, in the late 90s, he actually got one of these checks, and it, it looks just like this. And he decided, you know what, I'm just going to go ahead and, and put this thing, I'm going to try to deposit this at my bank. And so he filled it, he filled it out, signed the back, went to his ATM machine, put his card in, and then deposited this $95,000 check. 
and uh, he just waited every day. He was checking his account. On day 10, they actually posted the $95,000 in his account. How many of y'all were like, God bless America? You know, like that is the best, best day ever. Like the check didn't bounce. And so like he's going crazy every day. He, he actually has, has a whole blog and everything about it. He said every day he would, he would call his bank and ask how much money was in his account. He did this for 30 days. And on the 30th day, he's like, finally, he's like, man, they, they haven't realized what's going on. So he went to the bank and he took out a cashier's check for that exact same amount, opened up a, 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 a box at the bank, put the cashier's check in it, locked it in the safety deposit box and went home. Well, like 30 days later, how, how many of y'all know when, when banks realize they make a mistake, they're not very happy. And so they didn't call him to say, hey, would you please return the money? They called him to say, hey, we're taking you to jail, sucker. And, uh, and so Pat, he says all along his, his goal, the reason why he made a cashier's check is because he's going to give it back all along. And so he ended up giving this money back. Crazy, crazy story. But what we fail to realize a lot of times in life is that God has got some incredible promises for our life, and they're not just some marketing scheme to try to, to, try to bait us in on something that isn't really true. His promises are actually firm and secure for our life. They're not like a fake check that's gonna bounce, but they're promises that are gonna ring out true for every single one of our lives. And in fact, God doesn't have it where it's uh, just a crappy check, he's actually guaranteed those things in life. In verse 21, he says, it is God who enables us along with you to stand firm for Christ. He has commissioned us and has identified us as his own by placing the Holy Spirit in our hearts as the first installment that guarantees everything he has promised to us. Now that right there, that is legal language. It says that God has guaranteed or put a down payment in the form of the Holy Spirit in our lives saying that, hey, this thing is gonna be paid in full. This promise is firm and secure. And so God's guarantee on his promises for us is the Holy Spirit in our lives. Now, some of you are here and you're not a believer in Christ yet, and so this doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to you, but when you accept Jesus into your life, the promise that he gives to every single one of us that are believers is his Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit comes with like a ton of benefits. It's like a friend with benefits, but better than that. Uh, and, and so the Bible actually describes the Holy Spirit as, as a comforter, as our healer, as, uh, as he empower as an advocate for us. It says the Holy Spirit convicts, the Holy Spirit leads and guides us. And, and sometimes you feel the Holy Spirit in your life, and sometimes you don't feel the Holy Spirit in your life. It's kind of like your heartbeat. There's times where you can feel your heart beating out of your chest. Like after you do a CrossFit workout, you lay on the ground and you can feel your heart coming out of your chest. There's other times you're just sitting there and you're wondering, am I still alive? And you're still breathing, so you are. And so the Holy Spirit is in our lives. And so what happens, how you know the Holy Spirit's in your life as a believer, is you come into a place of worship like this. And I know that we, we have some incredible worship that happens here at Coastal. And, and I know dudes don't sing. For some reason, guys don't believe in singing. I don't know what it is. But you come in here and you start singing a song like Oceans. And, and all of a sudden, you start feeling moved. Like, and, and your lips start moving. You're like, what's that? And you're like, oh, I'm singing. 
oh, that's what that feels like. There's stuff coming out of my mouth that's not speech. It's song. And, and then all of a sudden, you're like, your arm starts kind of creeping. You're like, what the heck is going on? Like, my arm, like, this is weird. I've never done this before. And you're like, man, I feel something inside of me. And, and what that is, is that is the Holy Spirit connecting in worship with you. And then what happens is that you're going out throughout your week and, and, you, and, and you, you have this idea about doing something and, and you're like, you're like mm, that doesn't seem like a good idea. You know what that is? That's the Holy Spirit trying to help you not be an idiot. And then you go and do it anyways and then you feel really bad. That's the conviction of the Holy Spirit for you being an idiot. And then later on in that week, you, you're driving down the road, and all of a sudden, you're like, oh, I should call my girlfriend Angela. And, and all of a sudden, you're like, you know what? I'm going to give her a call, and you dial her up. And, and you, when you dial her up, all of a sudden, you realize Angela is having the worst day of her life. You're like, I should encourage her right now. And all of a sudden, you start encouraging her, and you just change her entire day. And you go, man, that was cool. You know what that was? That was the Holy Spirit leading and guiding you to a divine moment. And so God has given us this guarantee of the Holy Spirit to lead and guide us. Now, if you're not a Christ follower, I understand that that sounds spooky and that sounds weird and kind of creepy, and, and I totally get that because it does sound that way, but it is awesome. It's awesome that you can have uh, the Holy Spirit as this coach and this trainer and this mentor and this leader in your life. In fact, the, the life of following Christ is really all about leading, following the Holy Spirit's leading in your life. Now, I think that this is really important for us to remember as a church, and I say church as, as us as individuals because we're the church as individuals because I think that the church has contributed a lot to this idea that the God is the God of no. And the way that we've done that is because we have a tendency to go and look out at our culture and look out at people and our natural reaction to culture and people is to judge them and tell them what they're doing wrong. And so what we do is we go, listen, you need to do these three things over here and you need to stop doing these four things or you're gonna go to hell. And so what we do is all of a sudden we put ourselves in a position over other people where all of a sudden we're, we're telling them what they need to do in their life. And the problem with that is, is that the Holy Spirit's job is to convict people. It's to change people. It's to transform people. And so when we step into that place, all of a sudden we're doing a job that we were never meant to do. And last time I checked, you can't change anybody. If you're married, you know that because you've been trying to change your spouse for the last 15 years and it hasn't worked. But you know who does change people? Who does transform people? Who does convict in a way that's loving and, and kind and gracious and caring? It's the Holy Spirit. And see, we need to let the Holy Spirit do his job in people's lives, and we need to do our job, which is just to love people. What would happen in our communities if we just did what our job was and loved people how we were supposed to, and we let the Holy Spirit do his job, which is convict, change and transform people the way he's supposed to. See, we want to walk around and be the moral police for everybody. Let me submit to you. Why don't you just try being the moral police for yourself first? Man, when you get that one down, you can have a conversation with the Holy Spirit. But until then, just work on that joker because that joker needs some help. 
And I know, listen, I understand, like, as, as a Christian, it's so, it's so difficult because I remember when I first got saved, man, my first year or two, I was, and I'm still on fire for Jesus, but I was so, I was so passionate about Jesus. And about year two to year three, somewhere in that time frame, I, I became that judgmental Christian person. Like, I got my junk together, get yours together. Heathens, you know, like, like, Step it up. And, and I was at that point in my, my faith where, where I knew enough to be dangerous but not helpful. Some of you guys are at that same point right now. You're dangerous, but you're not helpful. And, and because you're at that point, you think you got it down right now. And, and what you need to realize is that, man, I, I just need to take a step back and remember the fact that when I was jacked up and messed up, what did God do? He came in extended mercy and he came in extended grace through his Holy Spirit in my life. And the thing that I need to do is I need to reciprocate that to other people now, extend grace and mercy to them and love them just like God loved me in the middle of my circumstances. Before I had it all together, what did God do? He just loved. And as I do that, allow the Holy Spirit to move in my life, man, they're gonna be transformed, they're gonna change and it's not gonna be on your time frame. It's not on my time frame. Like I want you all to be much better than what you are, but it doesn't work that way. I'm just being straight up honest. It's up to me. I, I'd sit here and judge it like, you got this problem. You got, like, what, that's our natural tendency, isn't it? But I think as a church community, man, if we just did this, if we just love people the way that God's called us to love, man, we could transform our community and let the Holy Spirit do his job. And we can rest in the guarantee that he will do his job. And then number three, as we're letting him do his job, we need to stand firm in God's yes. We need to stand firm in his yes. In verse 24, it says, but that does not mean we want to dominate you by telling you how to put your faith into practice. We want to work together with you so that you will be full of joy, for it is by your own faith that you stand firm. And we have got to stand firm in his promises that they are yes. And there are so many promises that God has made for you. So many promises. I, I, I can list, listen, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he, he rescues those whose spirits are crushed. Man, if you're going through a difficult time right now and you feel crushed, God is right there. He's close to you. Don't forget that. You feel hopeless right now. It says, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Like you can stand firm in the fact that God has got a plan. He's got a hope and a future for you today. The faithful love of the Lord never fails. Listen, I know you feel like God is nowhere to be found, but man, his love is consistent. It's always there, and it's right there for you today. One of my favorites, and I think is the hardest to live out, is the challenge. It says, give all of your cares and worries to God, for he cares for you. And we forget in the storms of life and in, in the dead ends of life that feel like dead ends to us. It's really easy to get wavered in those moments and, and have all these cares and all these worries and think that we have to carry them all. But it's in those moments that we have to remember that God cares for us and we got to stand firm in his promises. And I know for me, one of the ways that, that I've done that in my life, and, and some people would call me a sinner for doing it, but I don't really give a crap because Jesus, Jesus got tattoos on his leg. He says, King of kings and Lord of lords in the book of Revelation. Go eat some of that. But I'll put tattoos all over my arm. And they're reminders for me of, of God's promises that Psalms 1, I'll be like a tree planted down by the river where I'll grow and I'll flourish, that, um, that trust the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll direct your path. Like direction, not intention. Man, I gotta direct. I gotta be on God's direction. I'm my beloved and my beloved is mine. 
On my back, I have Hebrews where it says, we have this hope as an anchor for our soul, firm and secure, a big anchor on my back. To remember, when the storms of life come, man, I can anchor down on God's promises. I can stand firm in those things, knowing that he is the God of yes. And maybe you're here today, and you're, you've been beat up by the storms of life. You've been thinking that God is this God of no, that he's just no, no, no. He's got all these rules and all these different things. And God today is trying to tell you, no, 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 no. You've got it all wrong. I've been the God of yes. My promises are yes. My promises are amen, which means yes. He's redundant in them. Maybe today you need to recognize those things. You need to grab hold of those things. You need to stand firm in them today. Let's pray. Father, we just come before you and we thank you that you are a God whose promises are secure, who stands firm all the days of our lives. God, I just pray right now that you would move in every single one of our lives. God, that you would start to allow us to stand firm in the hope that we have.